You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And today we're taking on a very, very heavy release in the form of Chop Shop Steel Plate Double 10 Inch on records from 1991. Physically heavy, sonically heavy, a fantastic record. Indeed. Set of records. <laughs> it's fantastic. Double record, double 10 inch. We have sung the praises of 10 inch records before, especially for noise and experimental. And uh, yeah, this one sits right in line with the other greats. It sure does. But before we get into Chop Shop, Gray, what have you been listening to? I got a beautiful art edition of the Divine Horseman recordings that Maya Darren made. Uh, it's a voodoo festival and ritual recordings from Haiti and like from like 1947 to 1951 and uh psychic sounds did just a, a wonderful job uh repressing it and it's it looks fantastic it sounds fantastic uh, a couple years ago i had read the book that uh covers her time in Haiti and these hearing these recordings properly presented is really nice so that's a uh, that's been one of the things Very and cool. got in the mail, one of the missing pieces to my lust vessel collection and uh, threw that on buried machine, a oral portion and uh, just a nasty ragged piece of two side long electronics delay tiny. That's such a weird project. I have a, I have the stoned mirror LP too, and they, they're similar, but, but different, uh, pieces with the sort of just just kind of nasty collapsed delay sound it's a it's a gross sound and are then, you how close are you oh i'm missing two now Ooh, you're down to two yeah two left two left and i will gotcha i will have them got hey you know we I encourage will have it. them <laughs> you know we encourage it. You state that you, wanna, you want to. I'm going to save this goal. recording so when we are asking you later, you can be like, and when you right. say you weren't actually going to get them, we can show that you are. No, I'll get them. They're just they just don't turn up. <laughs> if you've got if you've got uh, some of the earlier ones, get in touch. Yeah. There you go. Yes. And then uh, popped on a tape that's got some very poorly cut holes. Actually, <gasps> so did I? Where'd you get it? Did, did, you also, did you get those me? holes? Did you also write which side each side is on that the That would be something I would have done. Yeah. That like, that's something you, I would have done. Did you cut out the tape window so you can see uh, which side is rewound or where the tape progress is? All, <laughs> that, all that stuff would have been stuff I would have done, and it's an old Europa yeah. tape, looks like. Yeah. What? Wow. What Germinal Chamber by Stratum Very Terror. Cool. Great Very tape. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Very cool. You know, we talked about Stratum Terror, I think, around uh, the October time, which is, of course, a great time to listen to Stratum Terror. But uh, yes, in our Slaughter Productions mm -hmm. episode where we focused on three, depending if you listen to the Patreon feed four Slaughter releases. Yeah, it's been rainy and dreary here, and I just wanted to get in a miserable death industrial vibe. So that fit the bill. Connolly's, what have you been listening to? Well, we received some stuff that would have probably been on our end of the year episode. But like we say, 
December of the year before generally ends up getting pushed to the end of the year episode for the following year. And the new Dust Belt tape, Melting Atlantis Resurrection, is phenomenal. My word, it is lovely. It's really great. Really enjoyed the Dust Belt tracks on the John Bonet and Valhalla comp. And mm-hmm. these are right in line with those. There's also a great Dust Belt track on an upcoming comp that we have had the privilege of hearing that's fantastic too. So Dust Belt really doing some great stuff currently very excited about some more dust belt yes, in our such lives use of subtlety like yes. it, dust belt is not heavy-handed but really projects an atmosphere projects a mood yes and also gives you a really interesting listening experience i absolutely enjoyed it loved it loved it loved it and honestly a lot of our listening time has been taken through our eyes and ears as we've been digging through the all haunts be ours box set that it's I really know hard to stop Gray, once you started. You I, know what I mean? Yes. And I know gray also has that and has been watching a lot of stuff in that. Yeah. I think that's probably why my recent listening is a little on the more skint side is because it's been some uh, recent viewing. Yeah. 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 Really great stuff. The folk horror box set with movies like eyes of fire, which Tara and I, Discussed on a recent home time. But V was so good. Yes, the V Russian was a horror. real standout so far. Oh, yeah. See, I had the standalone of V before the box right. came out. Oh, I still do. But, uh, and V is really fantastic and otherworldly. Yes, it's one we had not seen, but anything's great. We're just going in order, really, or Kinda. just popping on a disc. And a lot of them have two movies on a disc plus yeah. all the bonuses. So we just. That's the disc it's in right now. Let's watch both movies on that disc, all the extras. So highly recommend anyone who is also interested in horror movies like the three of us are to check out that All Haunts BR. Yeah, it did set. inspire me to break out my favorite record, which is The Forest is Crying by the trio Bulgarka. It's a Bulgarian women's trio, and the record is just phenomenal. Great record. So that's been what's going on over here aside from listening to a lot of chop shop but before we get into steel plate a quick word from our sponsor coming soon on no coast no hope anthony amelang tromland cassette synthetic transmissions of parallel landscapes amidst dream technology one half of the minneapolis pe unit controlled opposition anthony amelang crafts personal and varied power electronics with previous releases on phage tapes and cryptus records still in stock is the cd full-length album loss of innocence from milwaukee stalwart of depressive dark electronics blessed sacrifice also in stock is controlled opposition's you don't want to know cassette a militant explosion of outrage activism and conspiracy visit the Bandcamp and big cartel to support the no coast now steel plate one of those names, I'm not sure that it appears on the release anywhere, but it's fastened to a 10-inch oh, steel plate. Right. Uh, it just <laughs> is known as that, and it has become the title. And, you know, it's this is two episodes in a row that we're doing a records release. Obviously, the MSPR being pure, mm-hmm. this being on records itself. This is such a, I mean, just presentation-wise, it's... A nightmare to ship. It's hard to store. I mean, your best bet is just to leave it on display where it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It is a 10 inch square of steel 
with a 20 by 10 folded piece of uh, like tar paper with two 10 inch records and an amazing booklet and a laminated information card in it. And it's bound together with uh, like metal straps, like uh, banding straps, you know, bought to seal mm-hmm. boxes. And it's a, it's kind of difficult to open and, and difficult to deal with. And the weight of doing that and the, the like fact that you have to sort of manipulate this object in order to listen to these sounds is so fitting. And the fact that it will oxidize and rust and tarnish over the years, as you touch it, as you manipulate it, as you get, leave grease on it, whatever it is, is, uh, also relative, I think, to these sounds and the process that Scott Konzelman, a.k.a. Chop Shop, uses to make these sounds. I absolutely agree. This is a total package and is a highlight of what noise can do that other music can't and won't. And I love that I think the packaging is so fitting also for chop shops approach and that being physical sounds through visible sources and absolutely you get that visible source through this packaging oh yeah and the the booklet is fantastic with a page with a title and then showcasing one of the four speaker constructions he built which are what this material was played through to be captured and put on record so he annihilates tape sources and plays them through these strange speaker sculpture contraptions and re-records that. And that is what we're hearing here. So the deficiencies and damage done to the speaker either before or during playing it is part of what we hear and the limits and constraints of what sounds that speaker can actually represent and the amount of volume that's pushed through it and the strange housing in which it's been built, all of which made by Scott all contribute to make this such a a unique and singular kind of vision. The everything is tied together perfectly in this. Everything is part of one larger entity to me that that's, it's just really special. It's special to know that these were things that were built and constructed for this purpose. And they have names and the names are what we're getting for the the sides here. Mm -hmm. So fitting the names too. The names are great. I love the track titles for these. Spinal, Speed, Cobra, and Hotbox. I think those are just... So descriptive of those awesome speakers. But they're also... You can... They, they're powerful words, especially Cobra, mm-hmm. that lend a context other than just what it's called. And I love that he does that. We have a great interview with Scott from about 12 years ago that we're going to be referencing throughout this episode. And he discusses his speaker constructions and releases like steel plate and others from the eighties. And I, and I really found this so clever, his impetus for designing these machines. And in his words, he says, 
the primal seed of the speaker constructions. I found early on when working in abstract sound that people always looked at the loudspeaker as they listened, ear-cocked, looking for information, some context or reference. I thought of giving them something to really look at, something that further defined and actually gave a physical body object to better convey what they were hearing. The focus of this work is first to capture, distill, and then present a particular sound experience as purely as possible. The presentation and focus of my work was more installation than performance, as my working process is to use and record these objects in variable situations. On end, this made for a challenge, in particular, that the recorded releases convey the experience of an immersive, directed listening environment. So how great is that? And how many times, like, I do that completely when we're at a show, just stare at the speaker. Like, that's not doing anything. You just, I mean, some occasionally you blow it out and they glow. And that's always really exciting when you can see the speaker glowing. But aside from that, we we do do that. So I, I think that really looking for a speaker with charm and character that represents what's coming through it is just so interesting and clever. And, and boy, does he do it. The record itself sonically is just an incredible noise record yeah this has such a nice variety of sound while still being part of you know one one thing and it's a lot of corroded feedback and and crumbled decayed sounds much like the steel plate will decay over time through oxidation we get that with the sounds. These sounds have been shattered and put back together. And it's, you know, we're the first piece spinal is it has that just nasty, ragged, corroded feedback. Ragged is a word I thought a lot while listening to this. Everything is just sort of frayed at every side, pushing through this like low, low kind of crumble to it. And then, there's a, there's a, like a mine at least. And I can't tell because the way you store the record, I can't tell if there's a lock groove or if I just have a little bit of a, a skip on it in a couple right. places. Mm-hmm. I, I, yes. I, and I've never known, uh, but I, I assume there's a lock on this side because there's a little bit of silence after it. And then it goes into that sort of low grade mechanical noise, like a air conditioner, leaf blower kind of sound until this sort of modulated bass and and then the feedback comes back. And this to me, this sounds like like dead body love or something. Like this has yeah. that same quality of sound and same kind of atmosphere to it. But it's this is American and this is involving sculpture and acoustics and something I think different than sort of, you know, what dead body love is going for, of course. But the the sound palette is so similar that I can't imagine someone that likes lo-fi power carnage not enjoying this Chop Shop release. Uh, but they're, they're, to me, also just seem so very far apart because I think of Chop Shop in, in this sort of sound art way, this, this sculptural way, this kind of lineage that's a different thing than the way the Italians approach noise. Well... That's interesting because he discusses that in this interview, the idea of noise artists, sound artists. And I think it was a dilemma that people had a lot more in the past Mm -hmm. that I just, maybe it's just me, but I feel that it's not something that 
is as much of a divisive thing now. I feel that the idea of it existing in both worlds is natural now. Mm-hmm. The idea of noise existing in the art world as well as a dirty club. A basement. Is less of a discussion and it's more accepted these days. I agree. I agree. But you, you can't help but notice the sort of disparity between those things. And especially at that time, talking about late eighties, early nineties. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. And, and that's what he talks about. You know, he says in the interview, the, that he ended up in an odd crack between the two worlds. He says the art world would read noise. What is that? What do we do with that? You never get a cold shoulder from the cassette network who are perhaps not also fully sure of the intent or focus behind the work. Earlier, it was easier as both audience and worlds were fairly open and curious. Originally, I was loath to call myself a sound artist, but the gallery world needed that terminology to somehow place it. So it was that dilemma that I think a lot of artists went through and a lot of artists we've talked to went through in that time. And I can see how Chop Shop is in the crack because even the name, <laughs> yeah, I love that he mm-hmm. uses the name, whereas a lot of people would drop the name at a certain point going under their own name. Yes. Chop Shop itself has a very crude. M- yes. And, and it, it looks great. It sounds great. And there's a mm-hmm. crudeness to it that places it in the noise Yeah, world. you don't think of chop shop as delicate work. Right. You think of it, you know, like it's a chop shop. It's a hack job. It's something subversive. It's right. chop shop. So the fact that he was able to straddle both worlds is great. And that I do think something like chop shop, I could totally see a chop shop release on Slaughter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Make, yeah. You know, so so I do see the connections especially the i like the dead body love you had mentioned that and so i had that in my head listening throughout and there's so many points where it's just this heavy noise that could easily be on slaughter could easily nail have been on a bloodlust less than zero bloodlust less than zero exactly so this release is a great bridge for these worlds and even the fantastic construction of it it's it's not haphazard it's very well put together Mm -hmm. but it's also put together with these oxidizing pieces of metal the rust of it all Mm -hmm. but done in a way that's all it's all purposeful it's not junk it's something else yeah the presentation is obviously of such importance and not just of the physical releases because all of them look really awesome i mean all any of the sort of earlier releases have special packaging and unique ideas put forth with them and then this you know we talked about the discrete emissions seven inch before which also comes packaged in a very unique way and this you know the 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 booklet that comes with it has those photos in it. So in that case, you're, you're documenting the things used to create this. The sources are still obfuscated. I don't know what the hell he's running through that. That sound that he is generated, made, recorded, processed. But I see what's been playing it back, you know, talking about the looking at the speaker when we're watching a live mm-hmm. performance or something. But 
Also, just the the steel plate and the name, the Chop Shop logo is screen printed onto it in two colors and giving it some permanence on this thing that is supposed to decay. Right. And the laminated card and the the sleeves of the records are damaged from like the tar paper inserts or the, you know, fold over on it too. Mm-hmm. They're like, it's rubbed off on it. So when you take this thing out, there's, there's just grit. There's kind of oil, you know, there's, there's this kind of nasty feel to it. Like you're working in a machine shop, like you're working on your car, like you're doing something like that. And that's special. That's something that you don't get with a lot of releases. And it, it pulls you into it. If you let it, it can really help set the atmosphere of what you're listening to. You, you, you've got oil on your hands and you've got grease and, and dirt on your hands. And you're listening to these greasy, dirty sounds that have been that are that are ragged they're not working right anymore you know the engine is is broken and whining and you need to fix the you know you need to change a belt or you need to tighten up these bolts and that's all part of it to me it's so special and there are 500 of these you know isn't that crazy do you know where to get 500 10 inch steel plates and then have them screen printed I mean, no, and also, you know, tremendous forward thinking to laminate that note card, but also <laughs> laminating those individually and assembling the straps. And yeah. I noticed and you in know, the lamination actually that it's two uh, two pieces of paper. One side has the Chop Shop logo on it, and the other side has information on it. And they're they're mm-hmm. two separate pieces of paper that have been <laughs> so it wasn't double sided printed. It's two pieces wow. printed on either side and then laminated together. Even more work. And you wow. know, this was. The the days of, as Eric Hoffman said, as advertised, buddy. <laughs> exactly. You know if it says 500, oh, yeah. 500 yep. were yeah. made. 100%. Yeah. Hey, and you know, also the packaging can be an instrument because stainless steel sheets are fun to play. Sure. It can be fully interactive. One thing sonically that I was focusing on leading up to this episode with Chop Shop in general is the use of distance. It feels that there's times where the sound is in the back of the speaker in our Mm -hmm. room. I don't mean what he's playing. I mean, actually the speaker that we're listening in. And then sometimes it feels it's at the front of the speaker. And sometimes it feels it's in the middle of the speaker. The actual sound feels sculptural. That's that's very true, and I, I don't feel that quite as much on spinal. Maybe a little bit because it moves more between direct and maybe more mid. But when you flip it and you play speed, speed has such a variety of. And I have mm-hmm. I have distant written in my notes for for side B because of that. Definitely, it, yeah. I have I have uh, loud open noise, giant, and distant, and massive all written in my notes for this track because that it shifts between that you it'll go from small sounds to loud sounds but in a in a distance to very physical sounds like uh the sense of movement and action in this piece but it's it's action without definition you're not sure what's happening especially early on later on i i do hear some sort of like metal scraping and metal sawing sort of sounds but that is of course all conjecture because i have no idea what's actually happening but Especially early on, it's I hear movement, but there's no definition to it. I'm not sure what's being moved. I'm not sure what 
sound is even really changing in the midst of it, but there is activity. And I think that's a, maybe a hard thing to convey, but it, he does, you know, chop shop does convey that sense of sort of rushing water and, and dragging and pushing and moving things without it actually sounding like something is being dragged, (laughs) being pushed. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's really incredible. And that disruption of corrosion with the, use of distance and space like you said especially on speed and i think i even wrote something around the four minute 40 second mark something always happens at four minutes in each of these tracks i find but the static is squishy and i don't think i've ever thought of squishy static before but for some reason the static it didn't feel like sharp and even that it was just very kind of like melting like melt in your mouth like 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 a pillow too you know, I wrote squishy. casual grind. Yeah. It's a very casual. So squishy, I understand it is a, it's the same sort of thing. It's like, it's not uh, on this track. It's not oppressive. It's not direct. It's a very sort of laid back approach, but some of the sounds are still just really, really nasty and big, you know, just making these sounds huge. And the, the high end all tends to be like fairly caustic and nasty and aggressive, but then the low end is very subtle. And when it's there, it it sort of glues everything together in a in a more calming fashion than just the the overall abrasion of what we've been hearing. You know, also in this interview, Scott was asked if the, he was providing some sort of commentary in his sound art, and he said none. No message, no commentary, not to be taken as political or ethical at all, trying to present sound as a physical residue or mark. And truly you feel that like we're all trying to describe this physical residue that we're experiencing by the sound. It makes me think that the sound is squishy. I know in Cobra, which again, it has hearts and stars, Gray. I love this track. Um, it, it's like a, I think it's those, it's a soft wall of welcoming static. It washes over you and the texture is just so cold, but warm and welcoming. And, you know, I think that when listening to this, you can't help, but you almost want to anthropomorphize the sounds that you're hearing because they, they do have a character of their own and they have a device which has a tone and a character to it. Like the speed the spinal is a column, like a ladder with things coming up. It looks very industrial, you know, again, has like the vertebra spine that a ladder would have. Whereas speed is like a fat box with something projecting up the top and a speaker coming out of the middle. But Cobra, Cobra is, is very winding and comes up like the head of a cobra, like a snake winding back and forth and has such a dynamic shape. And I think that that is very much present in the sound. And since you've described the first three, what about Hotbox? Hotbox is honestly my favorite to look at. It it is it's short, fat, and squat and is on four legs. And Hotbox just I I I hate to say I, I think it's cute because it it is like a like a mean little fat speaker and and you know that something gnarly is going to come out of it. You know, I think it's it is easy to anthrop- anthropomorphize these sounds because of 
the sculptures because of the pieces yes. that accompany mm-hmm. it and and the uh, and the sound that goes you know that ties right to it like cobra opens with with hissing just nasty hissing high and mid the fangs of the cobra are showing <laughs> but then it it moves into this like almost harmonic grind and it it's this is the the one where the sort of denseness of the sound gives it a really rich harmonic quality throughout this thing to where it almost feels like a chord but there's there's just waves of this sort of white noise and it's shifting and it's wide. It's a very wide sound. And I, I picture the Cobra flaying. It's a, I don't know the proper term for those things that Cobras have on their head. Oh man. You'd think I would, huh? I was expecting you to chime uh, in with it. <laughs> I'm not going to come up with it right now. I'll tell you that. But that that's what I picture with how, with the, the width of this sound, but it's also a oppressive and, ragged sound it's threatening like a cobra you know this this piece fits its sculpture and its title perfectly absolutely i loved this track so much yeah it it had such a wonderful metallic quality and i thought this stood out too especially the beginning because the highs were far more present like i think the the highs the mids and the lows were really really incorporated simultaneously Actually, one of the things I noticed on this, on especially on the the previous record, because now we're talking about you know the second record in the set, but the the first right. record, there's the the highs aren't really there on spinal mm-hmm. and speed, and even the the sorts of distortions we're getting don't have they have some gristle and some crunch, but they don't have that sort of top end. And I know that's one of those qualities that I really enjoy in sort of in noise from this era, being you know, the European heavy electronic stuff of the early to mid nineties or American noise of the late eighties, early nineties, like the fidelity and the recording techniques weren't quite there. And I feel like also just making things slightly more palatable by rolling off a lot of those high frequencies or using cheap tapes where those high frequencies just disappeared. The range wasn't there or the saturation just let the bass overwhelm the highs and it's it sounds good. It has such a unique sort of sound to it. And now, you know, with digital recorders, it's you, it's easy to capture all the frequencies and reproduce them perfectly mm-hmm. and put it on a CD, but this is something being played through a speaker. So these speakers being damaged, not being able to reproduce the highs, whatever the device was capturing it. You know, it wasn't a nice like handheld digital recorder. It was uh some microphones plugged into a tape deck or something. So that all contributes to this. So I think it's interesting the speakers chosen and the sort of frequency content that's missing on the first record that we do see more on the second record because Cobra's got nasty highs, but Hotbox also has some nasty glassy highs. And this feels like, like some really overblown field recordings. There's things happening and things moving almost like a steel rain and these weird, almost glass-like highs that have not been present on any of the previous tracks. Yes, I absolutely agree. It's like being at a recycling plant or listening to a coin star, an overworked coin star. Also thanked on the inside of this release would be Jen Ken Montgomery, who, of course, ran Generator Sound Art with Scott Conselman. It was a space dedicated to sound artists. Uh, They also ran a label. 
And you can see in the haters book where he lists all the mm-hmm. hater shows, m- multiple hater sets at Generator in the early 90s. Yeah, and Chop Shop and many other places. They were based in New York from 89 to 92, had a couple of venues, locations, also put out sounds from many artists. And from their website, they say Generator Sound Art has been created to produce and disseminate original recordings by dedicated sound artists presenting releases of electronic, electroacoustic noise and experimental music, uncompromising, non-commercial, and definitely not for everyone. These projects are geared towards discerning and adventurous listeners. And it was part of that world that straddled mm-hmm. the art. art and noise. A lot of artists who would play there would be people like, obviously, Chop Shop, but also they would work with artists like Zabignia like Thomas DiMuzio, this world that straddled the worlds, the crack that Chop Shop They were right in that crack. And they also did the label Artists Throwing Money Out the Window, which is fantastic. Uh, There are releases by Jen Ken, such as The Sound of Hardware Shopping, Almost Blank Notebook with the Sound of Letterpress, Fabio's Muffler, it could be called Irritainment, is the description of that one. It's a it's, It would be a three-inch CDR. 16-millimeter school soundtracks. There's an unauthorized U.S. bootleg of an... Uh, there's an unauthorized U.S. bootleg of an unauthorized Italian bootleg of an unauthorized Dutch bootleg. Truly for the completionist, the exotic trilogy, volume two. So there you go. These are the types of things that they were working in at the time. It's fantastic. And I don't know if I've ever seen footage from any generator show, but I wonder if GX has some, we'll have to reach out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Chop Shop played the Oakland show. That was part of the haters anniversary. If I'm not mistaken, is that correct? That is correct. So a rare live appearance from Chop Shop in the modern times. It'd be great to get more. Yes. Chop Shop. Scott Konzelman has, left the world clamoring for more because he doesn't perform that frequently. Which I would love to have seen. Yeah, I would love to have made the trek up for that show. Hey, woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, as they say. Mm -hmm. The sizzling of the hot box, the final side, is, to me, is the great melting. The, The sounds are pushing through and slowly melting the metal that covers the box. And the wires are heating up to the point of disintegration. And, you know, this track just finishes so strong. Like, this really, <laughs> it really does. Just yeah. a hell of a finish. I absolutely love it. It, it does have such an evocative sound of metal raining tiny bombardment. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. And, and what a wonderful cap to this great set of 10 inches. Yeah. There's really nothing to complain about with it. It's such a perfect release, perfect vision. The sounds are fantastic. I wouldn't mind having a CD of it. (laughs) Oh, but I think something about this, yeah. no, absolutely. It, it has to be the full experience. I agree. So yeah, maybe I, if we could have a CD that 
it's in a locked box and you have to like completely dismantle it with screws. Uh, and there's a speaker and you have to play it in that CD. Because I really don't think Chop Shop was in it for the convenience factor. I think, <laughs> I think you're no. safe with that bet. <laughs> I, I think Chop Shop was in it for the uh, experience factor in terms of not just being able to throw something on and get it. You have to like truly absorb the sound in a way that is a visual uh, sub- substantiative go to say it you're doing great <laughs> you're, you're killing it <laughs> you truly meant us to experience a sound in a way that is substantiative not something in a way that's just throwing it away jamming it in your car now ha- have you ever seen him live I have not Right, that I remember. Right. There's, there's so much, but I think I, I think I would have remembered. I think absolutely no. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know for him. sure that we've, yeah. we've never I, gotten. To we've see him discussed live. this privately many times, and I, I thought Mike was going to ask, "Have you ever had functioning speakers in your car? Have you ever had fun functioning speakers in your car? This current car, no. I we're on. I oh, think our first car, car that, that had good speakers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Generally, ours get blown out at we some point. We blow our speakers out so fast. This yeah. car still point. has speakers. I'm going to knock on wood. But, you know. I feel like none happens. of your cars had good speakers. And now that I'm thinking <laughs> no, about it, I think that might be true. Yeah. You had, you had, we used to ride around with handheld tape recorders playing <laughs> stuff. You had a car, you had a van that only lasted for a day. I'm sure the speakers oh, weren't good that on that. Well, it lasted for longer than a day, but it, it made it, it made it exactly one trip out of town. Oh, oh, <laughs> did you use that? You used it in town? Yeah, yeah. Oh. oh. Wow. I only think of that as being What a short era that was. <laughs> Sometimes we make it was a don't ever buy a $300 van. Is my advice. That's a We great bought an $800 van, I'm pretty sure. Uh yeah. Yeah, don't so ever buy vans. a three hundred dollar van. It seems like a great idea at the time. Like, oh, look at this van! It's got the captain's chairs save and so everything. So much money. Yeah, no, it's not. Unless how you're it works. a mechanic, or you know a mechanic. Knowing a mechanic would be a real, That'd be wonderful <laughs> advantage in life. <laughs> yeah, if you knew a mechanic and a doctor, you'd never have to spend money again. <laughs> exactly. Wanted to end this regular episode with a question and answer from the interview. We should credit the interviewer, Thomas Bay, William Bailey, in the article is called Born to Corrode. Uh, he's also written two books, Microbionic and Unofficial Release. And Unofficial Release is subtitled Self-Released and Handmade Audio in Post-Industrial Society and actually focuses on sort of the world that these sculptures and speakers come from. And so, uh, very, if you're interested in this anymore, you can find, uh, well, I'll link to Thomas Bay, William Bailey's books in the description. Very cool. So credit to him Mm -hmm. for this interview that we've been using. He's clearly a gifted writer. The question, were these objects built with some previous knowledge of what they would sound like upon completion? Were they sonic or were the sonic results a a surprise even to you? And Scott says, initially, yes, a surprise. A visual idea originally, but of course, I quickly found the playful aspect of loose or manipulated speaker elements in various housings, i.e. pipes, hoods, plates, etc. The speaker constructions are developed in a dialogue 
with the sound component to modify or exploit the reproduction slash role and functionality. So I think he could use your car, Gray. And I there think you that go. it would result in surprising but effective sounds. Physical sounds through visible sources. I think that's a great summation of Chop Shop's output. We're going to hop over to the Patreon and talk a little bit more about Chop Shop. Talk about another great release and maybe some releases on that label and why it's such a great label and why we need to do a focused episode on said label. But you have to pop over to the Patreon to hear what label and release we are discussing. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artist for over 17 years by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noise extra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise. <laughs>